0: Let's pray. Lord, you are a good, good Father. Your love is undeniable. Your love is overwhelming. Your love is inexplicable. Your love is powerful. Your love has saved us. It's a, it's a simple song. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. But uh, this life is is not always simple. It's a simple answer in the end. Your love, but. What we're about to talk about is, is not a simple thing. Our lives are, are not simple things. They're complex and challenging and difficult, uh, but your love is always there. So help us to see that and, and help us to see what that means today together. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat. So uh, today, as I mentioned a couple of times now, we're finishing up a four-week series on the life of Abraham. Uh, We've looked so far at the call of Abraham back in chapter 12 where where God asks Abraham to to leave everything he knows behind and and go to a strange new land. We've talked about the negotiation uh, where Abraham pleads on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and he's heard by God. We've talked about the promise of a son of Isaac in, in their old age, Abraham and Sarah, and how Isaac was finally born after many, many years and, and many tears and, and many fears and many doubts. Today, we're talking about the test, um, the, uh, <laughs> the culmination of, of Abraham's life and faith and the most challenging and certainly the most chilling episode by far, Our text today from Genesis 22 is considered by many people to be one of the best told stories in all of world literature, Uh, but it's also considered by many to be very cruel and barbaric. (laughs) So as we go through our text today, uh, I'd invite you to get out your sermon outline in your service folder there. It's in a little bit of a different format today. We're going to be talking about the test that Abraham faces, but also the test faced by God and by us. And then we're going to talk about the response and the results. So I'd invite you just to fill in those boxes as we get to those areas of, of the message and our reflection uh, with some notes that you can maybe take home and, and reflect on later in the week and use the stuff on the back that I've provided to do a little bit more study on this. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Abraham is uh, tested by God. What was the test that he faced? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Yikes. There is no escaping the horror of what God is asking Abraham to do here. You know, what a lucky coincidence that the the last Sunday of our series and, and this text in particular would line up so well with the day that all of our preschoolers are in attendance, right? Um, no, maybe, maybe not really. We really struggle with this, don't we? Not, not just because our, our young ones are here, and what, what are they going to think of this story? But we struggle with it ourselves. We struggle to grasp how a good, good father, how, how a loving God could ask something so terrible of a man, especially a man as faithful as Abraham. We just have to ask, why? Why, Lord? I was reading uh, this kind of devotional reflection just a couple weeks ago by by scholar uh, N.T. Wright. And he was talking about reading some of the more difficult passages in the Bible, kind of like this one. Um, And his advice was this. Ask the question, why? And realize that when you're asking that question, you are listening for the mind of God. So that's what we're going to do today. We're, We're going to try to listen for the mind of God. Over the course of his life, Abraham certainly listened for the mind of God in some pretty spectacular ways, uh, beginning with the call from week one of our series where God asked him to, to go to a place that he was going to show him later on. Well now, Abraham finds himself once again going to a place where God is going to show him, but, but this time there's no joy, there, there's no eagerness in the journey, only sorrow. This deep, heart-wrenching sorrow. Because this time, it's only a three-day journey, but it is infinitely harder and harsher than before because God has asked Abraham to offer up Isaac as a burnt offering. Now, a burnt offering, unlike any other offering, really, symbolized complete surrender to God because the thing being offered was consumed and reduced completely to ashes until there was nothing left. This is what God is asking Abraham to do with Isaac, his only son, whom he loved. But the test was not just the command to sacrifice his son. That alone would be more than perhaps any of us here today would be able to bear. No, the the real test lay in the fact that with this command, God seemed to be going back on all of his promises to Abraham. After countless years and countless tears, God had given Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. God had given them laughter. By him, God had promised descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. He was the son of the promise. He was declared to be that by God himself. And now God was demanding this? As one theologian has said, the descent of the knife would have pierced the father's heart at the same time but it would also have been the death blow to every reasonable prospect that God's promise could be fulfilled. Abraham had worshipped the Lord everywhere he went, building altars, sacrificing generously out of all that God had given him. Will he continue to worship God when it's going to cost him everything? Those of you who brought a, a preschooler here today, could you raise your hand for me? Thanks. Now you can put it down. And could you turn and, and look at your child? Look in, into their eyes. Think of everything that led up to their coming to be with you. Maybe some of you had trouble getting pregnant, doubted that you'd ever see the, the child that you have next to you right now. Think of all the joys and the blessings and the laughter and, and the fond memories that you've already made with that little young child. And now imagine that God asks you to do what he asked Abraham to do. You know, my son was up here earlier too. In fact, I was up here with him. Um, and I, I can't imagine being asked anything like that. It seems unspeakably evil and unfair. But that's what God asks of Abraham. Then again, God is, is not asking anything of Abraham that He's not willing to do himself. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Do those words sound familiar to you at all? In our epistle lesson from Hebrews today, Isaac was described as as the only son of Abraham, the, the only begotten son, the monogenes in the Greek. This is the exact same word used of Jesus in that most famous Bible verse in the world, the one that Mike has on a sign, you know John 3:16, God gave up his monogenes, his only begotten son. While Abraham's test was unbelievably great. There's never been a test greater than that which God himself faced when he knew that he would have to give up his son, his only son whom he loved, to die on a cross to save us. Nothing short of the fate of the world depended on how God would respond. So what about you? Are you facing any tests right now? You know, the Bible does say that, that sometimes we are tested by God for a variety of reasons. Sometimes he tests us to, to strengthen our faith. Sometimes it's to prove our commitment to him. Sometimes it's to bring about his greater glory. Trials come in, in many different forms, from many different sources. Are you facing a trial right now? The Hebrew word in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, where it says that God tested Abraham is nasah, uh, which means to test or or to put to the test or even to prove, but it also often has the sense of of training, of giving someone a, a valuable experience for their good. See, God doesn't delight in our heartache. He didn't delight in Abraham's. But he does allow trials, and sometimes he even orchestrates them so that he can use them for our good, to teach us and, and help us to grow. Of course, try telling that to Abraham as he journeys with Isaac up the mountain. I doubt that's exactly how he was looking at it at the time, but how did Abraham respond to the test that God put him through? Well, much as he had years and years before when God first called him. He responded with immediate, unquestioning faith. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham did not delay. You know, he had been a frail failure plenty of times before. Last week we talked about some of the times that, that he gave in to fear and to doubt. But you don't see frailty here. You, you see Faith. In the face of death, you see hope triumph. It was a long and agonizing and and protracted trial with many opportunities to give up, to turn back, to just outright refuse God's demand. But Abraham didn't. He didn't allow anyone, not even God himself, to wrestle away the hope that he had in God's promise. Abraham didn't understand but he obeyed and he believed. He figured there, there must be something different than what I'm thinking right now. And so he fully obeyed without fully understanding what God was all about. That's kind of interesting. Um, unlike the negotiation that Abraham has with God over Sodom and Gomorrah here, Abraham is silent, at least toward God, But the words that Abraham does say resound with faith. He takes along two servants, and and he tells the servants when he gets to the mountain, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you, both of us. We'll both come back. When Isaac asks where the lamb is for the burnt offering, Abraham famously tells him, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know, we may be tempted to understand these words as Abraham maybe just trying to cover up what he's about to do because he doesn't want anyone to try to stop him or something like that. But, But our reading from Hebrews helps us to see them in a new and a better light when it says that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham had no idea what God's plan was. But he believed that even if Isaac were reduced to ashes, still somehow God's promise of descendants by him would be fulfilled. It's Incredible, isn't it? Now let me pause here for just a moment to, to say something about Isaac. Now there's a tradition in Jewish literature that Isaac is actually the main hero of the story because uh, by now he's about 20 years old. Now he's old enough to carry all of the wood... For the sacrifice up this mountain. So he easily, easily could have overpowered his one hundred and twenty-year-old father. But he doesn't, not even when he lays him on the altar and ties him up. It's fascinating that this tradition is more prevalent among Judaism than, than in Christianity, this this idea of a son willingly sacrificing himself. But but either way, it certainly seems like the obedience to God's command had to come from both Abraham and Isaac in order for this sacrifice to take place. And so it is with God's love, when he faced this this great test, God's response, it required full sacrifice on the part of the Father. It required full obedience on the part of the Son. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son The eternal Father responded to our sin by willingly sacrificing the eternal Son, the only begotten one who was before all worlds. God loved the world so much that he gave up the one through whom the world was made. And that eternal Son willingly gave up himself on our behalf. Philippians says Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death. Obedient to even death on a cross. Now, the Bible in uh, 2 Chronicles 3 seems to suggest that Mount Moriah, where, where this sacrifice almost took place, is exactly the same mountain where Jesus, God's son, would later be sacrificed himself. Now, whether or not that's, that's true is a, is a little unclear, but either way, Jesus, just like Isaac, bore the, the wood Of the sacrifice, bore the cross on his shoulders, carried it up the mountain, and offered himself up. So, what about the trials that you're facing right now? How are you responding to those? Are you responding with faith? Are you responding by by dwelling on God's promises even when they, they look a little blurry or maybe even look completely compromised? Are you trusting time and time again? Even when you've pounded on the doors of heaven till your knuckles run with blood, and all you hear is silence on the other side. Of course, we've all failed to respond with the faith of Abraham at times. We've all given in to fear and doubt, like we talked about last week. We've all let the love that we have for, for the people or the things in this world get in the way of our love for God. There's good news. It's coming soon. Now, let's hear Abraham's good news first. What was the result of Abraham's test? It was the voice of God staying the hand that held the knife. It was the preservation of the promise. It was a ram caught in a thicket. Now, maybe the ram had been there all along, or maybe it hadn't. We we're not told But I do suppose that God's gifts are always nearby, but they're more easily recognized after we've allowed ourselves to hear the voice that proclaims freedom and rescue. After this happens, after the ram is sacrificed, in the verses right after our reading in Genesis, God once again and kind of finally reasserts his promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to their descendants. It's the last words that God speaks to Abraham in all of Genesis. God's promise is the last word, and it always will be. And we see that's also true in in the story of Jesus' sacrifice, because it ends not at the cross, but at the empty tomb and, and even beyond. As Hebrews says, Abraham, figuratively speaking, received Isaac back from death. Well, God literally received Jesus back from death when he raised him from the tomb and and exalted him to the highest place and gave him the highest name. And not only has God received back the only begotten son, he has regained all of his children. You and me, the adopted members of God's family, born of water and the Spirit, baptized and washed clean of all of our sins and saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus. As I was uh, studying this passage, I learned that the ram offered in place of Isaac is the first instance of substitutionary sacrifice in the Bible where where one living being uh, gives its life for the sake of another. Now, it wouldn't be the last, but Jesus would be. He is the once for all sacrifice. Hebrews talks about this quite a bit, and, and then Hebrews says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And can you read the rest of it with me? And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. In other words, all who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. If you can hear my voice right now, that promise is for you. You have been rescued. From death. Jesus has interposed his precious blood, as one of the songs that we sing says, He whose head was once encircled in thorns like the ram on Mount Moriah, the Lamb of God, who God himself provided, has sacrificed himself for you. Because he lives, you will live too. And that's the ultimate result of your testing, brothers and sisters. Resurrection. On that great last day, fathers will receive sons back from the dead. Mothers, daughters, and and vice versa. But even now, perhaps you've seen God bring you through your trials in powerful ways. Through through healed bodies, through healed relationships. Giving a, a new outlook on life. A closer bond with your Savior. Perhaps you've even gotten to the point where you can say along with the psalmist, it was good for me. That I was afflicted. Well, whether you're there yet or not, and whatever you're facing, rest assured that God will be able to give an accounting for every trial when all the facts are in. Until then, it's valid to ask him what he's up to, to listen for the mind of God. But as you're listening, make sure you hear this. Make sure that this is the last word. Can we read this together too. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He will, and he has. To God be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, and it sure does sometimes, doesn't it? May that peace guard our hearts and our minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.